Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando here, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. And Randy, you know it's training camp because I'm sitting in a in a Dodge Challenger rental car. You ever drive a Challenger <laughs> on the road? I think oh, like, yeah, many like of a, them. This is like I'm at your high school back, uh, you know, uh, burning burning rubber on the speed bump on the way out of the back. Okay, this thing's got a lot of torque to it, so it's kind of fun <laughs> a couple of days. Uh, but it's raining out, and if the podcast goes too long, I may just pass out because it's about 200 degrees here and raining uh, in Florida on my training camp visit. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you're surviving, and so far so good to... I understand you're near Hurricane Alley, so you never know when the next one's coming, you know? So I was in your, I was actually at the Dolphins the last couple of days because they yep. uh, were joint practicing the Falcons. And uh, you know what that's like standing out there in Miami. Uh, yep. Woo, they gave me a towel because you know, I'm kind of a face sweater at the risk of too much information <laughs> here. But, you know, this coming down into my eyes. I mean, they, they, they get me a big old Gatorade towel. You got to see this thing. This thing. I could, you know, huh. I'm holding this up. Yeah. Not everybody can see, but Randy can. I, I could, you could sleep under that thing. You know, it's a big old blanket. So they didn't want it back after I wiped my face with it a bunch of times. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but. Uh, it's this time of year and you can set your watch to systematically getting some kind of uh, precipitation. That's for sure. I've never been a place yeah. where we had preseason games uh, often get pushed around, mm-hmm. canceled, uh, people off the field teams off the field i mean yeah. it's just i know it's a common place in florida but you, you you have to adjust and and it plays havoc with football practices all the way from lightning to rain to all kinds of stuff so you're always dodging something in florida that's for sure so yeah and so i call my wife called me when i was there and you know, three hours earlier on the west coast in the seattle area and she said this morning well you know while i'm walking in about a, felt like 100 degrees she goes yeah it's 62 right now. I just drove past a golf course. Guys had their little umbrellas out. It's a little misty this morning. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Not too bad. Amazing. We're in the same world. So, you know, going up to a high of 74 or something. Hey, I'll take that. So we got stuff to talk about training camps. We put down some notes here and uh, let's get going. huh? Yep. Sounds good. I watched hard knocks last night, Randy, and I think I'm going to keep watching it just as a matter of curiosity. I mean, you've yeah. been skeptical on the Jets as it is, but after watching Hard Knocks, did you go out and buy a number eight Jets jersey? Uh, you got to be you got to be one over after that, huh? You know, I I'm trying to warm up to what everybody talks about on TV, whether it's the worldwide leader or somebody you know raising the pom poms of the Jets, but. I was disappointed. I mean, I hate to rain on the Jets parade. I don't have anything against them at all. I, to me, the, the coach seemed contrived. He seemed like he was really forcing it to try to be something in front of the cameras that he wasn't. He clearly was worried about his team's confidence. And in, in one of the speeches, he's, he mentions that, hey, we're not the same old Jets. My question was, does that mean they were the last two years? Because it's not his first year. <laughs> he's been there, right? <laughs> So, yeah. so does this mean the team that we rolled out there the last two years was the same old Jets? So, I mean, there was some miscommunication as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, this year's theme is what? I know we're all in on Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But do you think Nick Saban or Bill Belichick would be worried about Zach Williams' elastic around his sleeves and how good that looked and made his guns, you know, uh, show? And these are the kind of conversations that Robert Sala was having. So, I just had to think that it was less than authentic because if that's the way he really is, we're going to have some issues, okay? Because <laughs> we're worried about the wrong stuff most of the time. Uh, I mean, I understand now kind of what Sean Payton was saying, right? They're all in yeah. for one quarterback, and and it's his his game. I get it. 
I also felt bad for the Packers in that if if Aaron Rodgers is so engaged in this, he kind of gypped them the last two years, right? Because he yeah. wasn't engaged there. And maybe they brought some of that on, but he's completely reborn. I get it. I've said from day one, I think the biggest beneficiary of this whole Rodgers deal was going to be Zach Wilson. And after watching the show, I still think that might be the best thing is that they've saved Zach Wilson now. And his career path has taken a little different trajectory. And all of a sudden people are okay with Zach Wilson now, and he's going to get better and he's going to learn. So maybe that's the positive that comes from it. I don't know, but I struggled with it. Yeah. Yeah, it ab- absolutely. It paused. You know, he was on a rapid descent into the dumpster kind of there. And now they pause it and yeah. he gets a chance to kind of, you know, regroup. Right. Uh, whether it's going to be with the Jets in the future or not. Um, who knows? Maybe he gets a chance. Maybe Rogers is banged up or something. He gets a chance under different expectations, you know, uh, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, this whole hard knocks thing started out, Randy, with did, did you follow the Sala? comparing the jets to an eagle who's fighting off an attacking crow by flying higher and higher until the crow suffocates and falls to the ground and dies. I, I've never heard of that. I've not, there is a great, you ever watched the documentary murder of crows? No, no that's awesome. Really? Crows are amazing. The crows are amazing. They remember faces like they're vindictive now. Right. You know, if, if you, <laughs> okay, I'm, trusted. I'm crow, trusting you. I get it. They're watching you from the top of the building and they are, you, you, those crows really start, crowing i mean that's personal they actually know it's you so we had the crow thing i didn't really follow um but the rogers worship man oh my goodness i mean and this goes back to me woody johnson in the press conference stopped the press conference when they announced him and made people applaud uh during it hey how about a round of applause it's so over the top that at one point the camera shows sala kind of whispering with reverence i mean this is like he's made a a pilgrimage to a you know to a holy site and, and yeah. he's almost emotional like god what a throw what a throw that yeah. was this it's is beautiful. our quarterback this is our guy you know oh my goodness yeah everyone is chasing the top tier quarterback they change lives and, yeah. and and then uh the defensive coordinator was like he's ours he's ours <laughs> no He's out. I'm like, did you just have a child? You know, uh, <laughs> this is our son. You, you've been going through an adoption process for three years and we got him. You know, that's what yeah. it felt like. The emotion of this. Um, Garrett Wilson referred to Rogers as the blessing, the blessing we have around here. <laughs> hey, they did a whole segment on no look passes. Okay. That, that he, like he invented that oh, yeah. uh, and tell me that wasn't all contrived and, and they weren't you know, it was just a weird show to me. It was just weird. And you mentioned it and I know you're going to talk about this, but all of a sudden the narrator is famous. Who's the narrator? I've never heard of him in my life. And they fly him in, in a helicopter. Like he's some, I, I thought well, it was Liam Neeson. When they said Liam, I think it's Liam. Is he an actor? Who is no, this guy? Yeah. No, well, yeah. Uh, Liv Schreiber. And I, yeah. when the helicopter came in and he got off, I thought that my mind must have been wandering and I missed who this is. So I had yeah. to rewind it. I hit, hit back. I went back 10 seconds. It wasn't enough. So I went back about 30 seconds and I'm like, who's this again? Like, and Sala didn't even know he was the narrator, just like me. I, I, didn't I know. I didn't either. Knocks. I mean, shoot. Yeah. You'd think it was the, yeah. You'd think it was the announcer at the price is right or something, you know, Don <laughs> yeah. Pardo was it Don Pardo who did yeah. that. Uh, Bob Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, yeah. All that stuff. <laughs> so uh, that was a total mix up to me. Uh, we have him suddenly on the show. Um, yeah. That how, was how about Sala on the sidelines? Sala on the sidelines during the hall yeah. of fame game, when the unheralded linebacker makes a pick, it's like he's doing a victory lap with his coaches upstairs or the ones on the, on the headsets telling them that's my guy. That's that. I don't, you guys don't know what you're talking about. They had clearly, had arguments or had a discussion about this kid where opinions differed. And this was, this was Sala's, you know, victory lap and he was going to tell him and that, that even made the show. So I just don't know where the show's going now. This is, this yeah. is it. This is the jets. We've already got, we got sauce Gardner in the, in the hall of fame. We got uh, Aaron Rodgers. everybody bowed down on one knee, two knees, whatever it is. And so I just don't know where it goes. Yeah, I thought it, uh, the one funny, li- decent line was when uh, the quarterbacks and Nathaniel Hackett were uh, playing that game where they're throwing oh, to the yeah, pylon. I know where you're going. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah. So if you hit the pylon, you get like two points. If you one hop it there, I think you get a point. If you miss, you don't get any points or something like that. Yeah. But the whole thing of it is, is you try to throw off the other guy. It's like yelling in this backswing of golf or something. Yeah. So, yeah. so when Hackett's going to throw, Rogers said Sean Payton. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And it was a terrible throw. You know, he missed the throw. So I give Rogers credit for that. I thought that yeah. was pretty good. Um, I think the whole show told me that Sean Payton might have been onto something. That's all. The whole thing oh was, I just gosh. don't know if I would sign up for all this. How about the fact that, don't forget, in his, in Robert Sala's, I guess, defense, you know, he was against having hard knocks. Now oh, yeah. he's now he's going to be part of the process and embrace it. So somebody clearly yeah. told him, this is what we're going to do. You need to change oh. your narrative. You know, yeah. it is what it is. But it just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably what it is, though. They didn't want to do it. Then you have to do it. But you can't authentically be into it. And so right. I think the other thing is, you know, if you had cameras, Randy, following you around for a long enough period of time, you would become desensitized to them. Eventually, you just start being yourself. I think that a lot of us would have a hard time. Uh, going about our jobs and interacting with our friends or coworkers the way we do if there's a camera four feet away and a microphone on you. I think people just behave a little differently sometimes, and we're, we're seeing that. You know, we're seeing the, uh, that part of it played up. Um, the stuff about, like, where Rogers is talking about Nathaniel Hackett's affinity for Goldfinger and that the red zone is the gold zone. I mean, I'm like, what the heck? He, he somehow, he said, Hackett knows how Goldfinger got gold genitalia. Roger said that during the thing. I mean, I'm like, what, the, what are we even talking about? Um, so uh, then we got the sauce Gardner, right? Sauce Gardner, yeah. sauce Gardner gets to meet Rodney Harrison. No, no, no. It's the other way around. Rodney Harrison gets to meet yeah. the great sauce Gardner. And he's having to introduce <laughs> himself like, Hey, I, I'm on TV with NBC. I played at the same time Revis played like Rodney, you're a, you're a great player for a long time. We shouldn't have to introduce your credentials. They should be bringing him over to you to say, Hey, here's a veteran guy. You could learn a lot from this guy knew how to play ball. <laughs> hey, sauce is already in the hall of fame. That's his goal. Play 40 years and be in the hall of fame. Right. Oh, <laughs> I think he, yeah, I think he meant to say, I want to play till I'm 40, but he's standing there with Rogers and he goes, uh, he says, I have aspirations of playing in the league for 40 years. And Rogers is like, you could tell Rogers is like, huh? But he goes, oh, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. And then Sauce comes back and is like, yeah, I think I'll play till I'm 40 years old. But I think you also get the feeling of how new all these people are together. They're not good buddies yet. Not that they're not that they're off to a bad start or anything. You just can't. Right. Like I would pay to see this hard knocks with like Favre and his guys back in the day, right? Like Favre, uh, you know, winners, the center and, you know, Antonio Freeman and all those guys who had played together and were, I mean, had a ton of personality. were busting on each other that you can only do that when you've been together a long time and you've been through, you know, some battles and you've, you've gotten in fights before and you've made up and all of that. Like to me, that's what would make a great hard knock. So the jets are probably in a tough situation here. Because yeah, they I don't have, they're, they're, this is all new. They don't have anything. They don't have the relationships. You could tell that they weren't authentic. Even Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of personality he has, but it, it kind of looked contrived too in his give and take with, you know, the coach, the quarterbacks, the other guys. It just, you're right. There's, it's just all kind of made for TV and it just hasn't come together yet. Maybe we'll see that in future episodes where it, it actually does, but. It just seemed really forced to me. So I know we don't want to go through, pick apart every part of it, but I, I was left with a little bit of a, hmm, now where do we go for the next month, you know? Yeah. Well, I just looked it up here. Don Pardo was the announcer on The Price is Right. I think I got that right. <laughs> Maybe I said Wheel of Fortune. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think I said Price is Right. So anyway, we got him. We got the announcer coming in, and they finished it up with the announcer. So I thought that was great. I really am now interested in watching the second one to see if it gets any better. But that's our uh, media review of the day. And you haven't watched the quarterback show yet, right, on Netflix? No, I need to. It's kind of embarrassing that I haven't. But Oh, no, it's know, good, yeah. It's worth your time. I think it's a good show. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally into it. I did have someone refer me to it when uh, I was discussing Kirk Cousins and and the uh, bad throw, you know, the throw at the end of the Viking game or at the end of the Giant game in the playoffs when it was fourth and eight and he checked it down and 
some of the guys in the quarterback tiers tree were talking about how, you know, hey, that's Cousins for you. And then somebody said, hey, Cousins had a great explanation for that on the show. And I said, yeah, I've talked to enough coaches to know they all, all the quarterbacks have explanations for every one of the bad decisions ever. Isn't that true? <laughs> fact, hundred percent fact. Yeah, they can explain it. They're smart. They can explain yes. exactly why this was only twenty percent their fault. I no can't doubt. wait to watch it though. It's a I good like show. The Go ahead. The concept, like you said, it, it it's a it's a believable story that I don't think has to include star players either. Obviously, Pat Mahomes is in this first one, but. I think the fact that it's it's more about processes, directives, kind of just the whole what goes behind the scenes more than it is a player's personality or having to be a star to make it make sense. I like the idea that they sort of did, you know, the elite quarterback in Mahomes, the good, solid veteran starter in Cousins, and then kind of the struggling guy who's maybe on his last legs with Mariota. That's a good concept. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend people see it before I even see it because the feedback's been great. And uh, did you think it was accurate in terms of the portrayal of what these guys go through? Yeah, 100%. I think people yeah. don't know the time commitment that it takes, especially Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. And, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast. When we moved from San Diego to L.A., the Chargers, Philip Rivers had a vehicle totally pimped out with video ability all kinds of tvs to watch so he could spend he just couldn't give up two hours a day not watching tape and preparing and every day is like a a final right and so they have starting monday through saturday night a prep that is long and detailed and refined every week and it includes everything and i think even kirk cousins is probably a little anal probably a little over the top and and too much into every little aspect of it, but he must think he needs that to perform. So I think everybody it's, it's, it should be interested to everybody because all the quarterbacks are a little different in how they learn and how they process information throughout the week. But the takeaway is it is realistic and it is, it does differ from team to team, but it's really, I think an insight into how much of a commitment, especially the quarterbacks have to make just to get ready for Sunday. Yeah, and I think the the flip to that is not all of them come into the league willing to do that. And so yes. there is a little gap from some of these teams. And exactly. I've heard, you know, talking to some coaches, when you have a guy, we saw the Kyler Murray clause in the contract. Yep. Like, not everybody does this. And that, which kind of segues into one of our other items today with this stuff on Johnny Manziel that came out. With, yeah. with Manziel, you know, uh, the Netflix documentary, which – I'm definitely going to watch this one. I mean, on a serious yeah. note, he revealed that, you know, he'd gotten so low at one point, I think when he was benched that he'd actually attempted uh, suicide when he hit the Browns. Mm-hmm. That's just horrific. But his agent had some revelations on there, like that his iPad tape watching hours was 0.00. He didn't even open it. He didn't, he didn't even mm-hmm. ever try to prepare, never watch tape that he was doing things like, uh, getting other people's urine to pass the test at the combine, even had his dad fake a heart attack so he could get a, he could, could go visit him and not have to do a drug test. I mean, this is the other extreme. This is the quarterback show they don't show you, right? This, right, is, right. this is the cautionary tale and really shows the, the gap between the guys who get it and are mature and really can do it. And, uh, you know, the absolute utter extreme, obviously Manziel is an outlier, but, um, man, I was just curious seeing this Manziel thing back in the news. I was just kind of curious what your eval was coming out. Like I were probably surprised a little bit that it was this extreme, but is this exactly what you would have been warning people about when he was coming out? Well, I had an uneasy feeling during the process of gathering information for sure. And, And the things that you mentioned, um, a good scout or a good NFL evaluator had that information. You had a lot of that information, so you kind of knew about it. But yeah, I have memories of exactly what I was thinking about when I went there because I had some good friends of mine that were there on that staff. And I just remembered a couple different takeaways with him when I made my, and I made two trips that year to College Station. Um, he played to go to go with exactly what you said about maybe not studying and not putting the time in. He played the exact same style that won in the Heisman Trophy and then throughout his career that he played in high school. 
he never changed his game. It was always a bit of a recess. Every play was uh, unpredictable. This is why he was so effective against a, play, a, play, a place like Alabama or Nick Saban, because Nick couldn't scheme for him. He couldn't game plan for him because it was all off the cuff, and you never knew what was going to happen next. And so Kevin Sumlin was the coach, obviously, at A&M at the time, and they had to acquiesce to this kid. He's going to do it his way and his way only. So I really questioned that when he had to make the step to the NFL. I knew that that system would not work eventually because, you know, and we've talked about it, Mike, they're going to make you beat him from the pocket eventually. And this kid was never forced to do that in college, never forced to do it in high school. Um, and the other thing is, I, 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 I think it's okay to say this, a very reliable source when I went through there told me that they worried about the phone call coming in the middle of the night every night. And they never knew what was next with Johnny because they knew about some of these issues. They knew that it wasn't if, it was probably when. And, and I put myself in, in the NFL GM's chair. Would I want this? There's no way I, I want, I like sleeping too much. I like to sleep at least six or seven hours a night. And it sounded yeah. to me like because of all the things you said, I found out some other things as well that they were, they were always worried about the phone call in the middle of the night. That's a, that's a bad feeling. We've all had that in the NFL from time to time. I just couldn't imagine our franchise quarterback giving me that gut ache feeling all the time. So, so I was skeptical. Um, for those yeah. reasons, both on the field and off the field. Yeah, I see in your notes here you had him as a second round talent. So I did, yes. Yeah, I'd again, I again, I, I thought that it, it, defensive coordinators are really good. They find ways to keep you hemmed in the pocket, and he was an okay passer with it with an I'd say an average NFL arm, um, but he couldn't operate unless a recess broke out. You know, unless it was chaos. And, and that wasn't going to happen at the NFL level because they're going to not rush. They're going to keep you corralled, and you're going to have to do certain things to beat them. And as it turned out, that's kind of the way his career went. You know, he came and played in the AAF a couple, maybe three springs ago and tried to make a comeback in Memphis. This was after he had been cut in the CFL. So he's tried it at all levels along the way, and it just, it just hasn't, hasn't come together for him. This kind of made me think, Randy, with a couple of other things. I started thinking about Brand's, Brown's quarterbacks because we got Manziel in this documentary revealing nightmare. Mayfield is starting a preseason game in a battle against this Baker Mayfield against Kyle Trask in Tampa. And who knows if he's even going to win that battle. And Deshaun Watson is also starting in a preseason game uh, to kind of shake off the rust. Obviously, Mayfield's in a position to start because he has to compete for the job. I like Watson starting too. I just think it looked shaky enough last year that he needs to play, doesn't he? Yeah, I totally agree. There's a few quarterbacks like that around the league, and I'm happy to to hear that their coaches have all come out and said, "Hey, they've got to play." Even even the likes of Russell Wilson and some of these other guys, they got to yeah. play. Yeah. Kenny Pickett, they got to play, and and they're I think preseason does serve a purpose, and to play these guys or not play them, I think would be doing a disservice to their developmental part of their games. So if uh, Deshaun Watson wins the season opener, Randy, a little trivia here for you, he will have a four and three starting record for the Browns. Now, since the team drafted Johnny Manziel, they have had 15 quarterbacks start games wow. for them. Okay. And Mayfield has by far the most starts with 59. The next guy's at 15. So uh, of these 15 guys, two of them have winning records. And Deshaun Watson, if he wins, he'll he'll join them. Here's who they are: Brian Hoyer at seven and six, wow, and Case Keenum at two and zero. Oh. This quarterback list, Randy, is Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Kaiser, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCown, Jacoby Brissett, Johnny Mansell, Cody Kessler, Deshaun Watson, Robert Griffin III, Tyrod Taylor, Austin Davis, Case Keenum, Connor Shaw. Kevin Hogan and Nick Mullins. Wow. You think we got to evaluate the quarterback a little better? I feel bad for Browns fans. That's what, because that's over several regime regimes. You can't put oh, the yeah, blame on, on one coach group. or one GM. There's been multiple oh. that have come through there. And I always say some people can do it better than others. That that's, that's yeah. evidence of that right there. You know, that's, that's a bad deal. 
Amazing. So we got a couple other things for sure we want to talk about, including the situation uh, in Washington with Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy. But, you know, in the middle of all this, Randy, the Pac-12 conference kind of dissolved. You know, we're a couple of West Coast yeah. guys. You know, <laughs> I'd never got used to it being the Pac-12. I was used to the Pac-10. And if you're older than me, you, you, there was the Pac-8 even before yep. that. <laughs> Randy raised his hand. But, uh, uh, you know, I just thought of this from a a bigger perspective of, you know, the college game of course has, has been a great game and the rivalries and all of that stuff uh, make it fun, but it's a bit, obviously it's a business and I'm just curious what you make of this. And then I'm also, you know, is it going to affect in any way the supply of players to the NFL eventually just as this thing continues to evolve? What, what's your sort of opinions and takeaways on this thing? Well, for me, it was sad because I'm like you. I go way back with the pack 10, 12, 8, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Let me just tell you a quick story. When I was a ball boy for the Seahawks, I was 17 years old. And, you know, they used to train in Cheney, Washington, right? The Eastern Washington yeah. University. And we had the equipment room set up in back of one of their rooms. But there was a another cage behind the equipment room that had a bunch of stuff in it and had T-shirts and stuff that Eastern had. And I remember us going back there one night and going through a box and it had pack 8 t-shirts and wow. they were like they were like your evil knievel t-shirt you wore about 40 yeah. years ago right these packed yeah. eight t-shirts since i remember they said yeah you can have one of those and i wore that thing till i was probably 25 years old the pack eight t-shirts <laughs> and so i was proud of the pack eight but you know I, I, that's a northwest kid so you're you're yeah. that's what you yeah. live and die with so it's nuts I, I think this i think this all started when it was some lawmakers or some I don't know if I want to blame it all on them, but I think this is where this started when somebody said we ought to pay the players. And I understand mm -hmm. that the players should benefit and that others can't make all the money off of them. I get it, but I can't help but think that the idea was not to pay players millions of dollars. That was kind no, of it's, where, it's where it went sideways. Yeah. You went from, you went from nothing to unlimited. Yeah. That's a, neither one of those is probably right. No, it's not. And so I think that started it and everybody has been in a race from the very next day to keep up with each other and they can't throw enough money at these kids and players and sports mm -hmm. and everything. And, and that's what everybody says. Well, these are the un unintended consequences. I think that's bullshit. I think you could have exactly predicted where this was going to happen because you, until you cap NIL, cap it. Now, I'm not saying these kids have to play for peanuts, but they don't need to be making crazy amounts of money either. I think if you could set a cap on it and police it like the NFL does its salary cap, it would equate to a lot level, more level playing field. And right now, it's just the wild, wild west. Anybody can pay a dollar more, that player's going there. So it's real professional sports. That's the college yeah. moniker is just a joke. That's not true at all. Yeah, so exactly. And if we if it was unlimited in the NFL, you wouldn't have Cincinnati competing with no. Dallas or whatever. Right. I mean, you wouldn't have a competitive product. So, you know, the maybe the stuff will work itself out, but it's not like the NCAA is as unified as the NFL or, you know, has a, has a uh, leadership or in, there's no really well, the accountability is not the same. And and you have coaches who don't want it controlled, really. I mean, they can yeah. might give it lip service, but right now, all uh, every major Power Five program can pay whatever it wants to 85 players. Let's just say football. So they're just throwing the kitchen sink at 85 guys, and if they miss on 10 or 12, so what? We got another 65 that we we know are good. So there's no accountability until you can 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 harness the amount of money being paid and cap it. You can't find out who can coach. You can't find out who can who can recruit. Who can build a team. None of that. It just goes to the highest bidder. And so the coaches are making so much money, they don't want to kibosh it. This is easy for them. Oh, it is way easier for them because the margin for error in college now is the world. I mean, in the NFL, it's a fine line. But in college now, you can swing and miss 15 times on players. But not every program can do that and support that. I mean, now's the, the, the money's getting concentrated and you got these – I mean, how many how many truly viable programs can there be? That's, well, there's going to be 18 in the in the in the Big Ten, yeah. and another 16 yeah. in the in the Big 12 and the SEC. And and as you find it, let's ask Washington State and Oregon State and some of those places. They can't hang with them. They can't. So I understand why it's happened. 
and I can explain yeah. to you the processes why it's happened, but I'm with you. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it makes sense, but it's, I understand from the school standpoint, they're just trying to keep up with the other guys. It's all about revenues and the football, as we know, runs the whole budget for every one of these schools. And sometimes it runs the school's budget. So they've got to do it. Yeah. Is there any effect in the talent supply to the NFL eventually or not really? I don't think so. I don't think the NFL really, yeah. you know, is going to adjust. I don't think they have to. They're going to take the best players every year. Now, it may be that they have to look at these players a little sooner. It might be a given, but it also might keep yeah. players in school, too, because they're making so much money. Quarterback at Northwestern makes a million five. He's not going to make that at, you know, as, as an undrafted free agent with the Bears. I can promise you that. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know. It's, right. it, it's, it's, it's the wild, wild west. I don't, know. I don't know if there's an entity, like you said, that can corral it all. And everybody says, well, the genie's out of the bag. Now, well, it was predictable. It was so predictable that this would get to this point. Unless they form some yeah. committee of people that actually get it, can actually understand the dynamics of this all, and both from a business side and a football side, it's going to continue like this and just spin out of control. Yeah, I was going to say, what is next? What's, what's it going to look like in two years? Yeah. I don't see how it's any better unless there's some governing body that can pump the brakes. And I, and I don't, doesn't sound like it's the NCAA. The, the, the laws that have been passed are, I go back to the same old thing. Every time there's something that holds somebody back, we pass a law that lets them go around the fence, around the gate. So they're not going to stop it now. That's off the, 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 it's off their hands, the legislators. So I don't know what stops it. I don't, want, yeah. I don't know what saves it. Interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. 
All right. Washington Commanders. Been a pretty good offseason for them because they got rid of Dan Snyder. They got new ownership, kind of a new outlook. But Ron Rivera is still there, uh, coming off three non-winning seasons. Um, they bring in Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator, but they don't really give Bieniemy much in the way of a quarterback. They've got Sam Howell, who you know is a prospect, and then they've got Jacoby Brissett, who's a solid veteran backup, could definitely start some games for you. Um, and we get through into camp, and Ron Rivera kind of volunteers that some of the players had come to him with concerns regarding the enemy's kind of hard-charging, harsh approach with the team. And, of course, you know, most people, I think, figured Rivera probably shouldn't have said that. He probably should have protected the enemy. But now this is kind of a public issue. Curious to hear your thoughts here. I've got a few, too. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is what you alluded to is why. Why did Ron have to come out with this? Was this provoked? Was this a question that somebody asked him? Why would he, in my opinion, lay out Eric Bieniemy? I think the answer could have been, hey, we have been bad. We're trying to do everything we can to get better. If it causes strife with our roster, so be it. This is the way Eric coaches. We've known this about Eric. He's been aggressive in the past. He's been verbal in the past. Why, why are we now all of a sudden worried about feelings and participation trophies and everything else? Do we want to win or do we not want to win? And he kind of, I thought, didn't back the enemy. And now I know he's come out since with an apology that was, uh, was contrived weak. on an index card that someone like made him say this. But I just thought Terrible. he did wrong by Eric the enemy. I didn't like the way he couched it. Uh, and he kind of left... Uh, me feeling like, hey, there's an excuse there now. If this doesn't go well, it's going to be Eric's style that's the problem. It's not my, not on my watch. That was what I took from it. Yes, I think as long as the coach, I think you can be harsh as a coach, but there does you, you do have to be respectful. I think if, he's, if, yeah. if you're disrespectful, and so you know, this is unfortunately for Eric Bieniemy. Now, this is the what we're going to be asking about and thinking yeah. about. Bieniemy's been in one place a long time, you know, and we know he challenged Mahomes and but Mahomes is great you can probably challenge him yeah. and also Andy Reid was there so there's a framework there's probably some limits you have you know you're not going to supersede the head coach in addressing the offense well now you go to Washington and there there's no one like Mahomes there there's no offensive coach like Reid to kind of set the agenda um I do think that the enemy is the big loser in this whole thing um, and then his own handling of it. I mean, I was reading what the said and I had to reread it to make sure the said it. Cause Eric Bieniemy referred to Eric Bieniemy in the third person three times in his quote. Yeah. So if you are Eric Bieniemy's already interviewed, whatever, 15 or 16 times for head coaching jobs and hasn't gotten it. It's been a big story. Yep. So now he's going to go to Washington, finally gets out from under Andy Reid. He's going to get to show himself. They don't get him a quarterback. Then the coach, Ron Rivera, says, yeah, the guys here have had concerns with his approach. Mm-hmm. And then the enemy talks, and he, like I said, mentions himself three times in the third person, which has to be some kind of an offensive coordinator record. I can't imagine <laughs> any offensive coordinator has ever done that. Um, and by the way, it's probably going to be a little bit of a tough season because they don't have the horses. They don't have the quarterback, so... Um, rough one there all the way around i don't think anybody looked all that good and oh by the way we have new bosses now we all have new bosses so new owner new new ownership group um yeah yeah and they're all watching i do feel bad for eric because this was to be his coming out party like you said away from andy Reid, away from pat mahomes and now i don't know if he's going to get a real chance to be judged but i just i didn't like the way ron came across either in this whole yep. tit for tat. And, and I thought he could have taken the high road as well. And, and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only solution and fix is just to have a better than expected season on offense. And that's still on the table. That could still happen. Yeah, it uh, could. Enemy does a great job. If you, you know, cause the, the expectations are not going to be high there. So really if, if the offense is just, you know, middle of the pack even, and, and the quarterback looks up a little bit, then I think some of this stuff, might blow over as long as there's not more, more, you know, 
complaining of this, and who knows, you lose some games, players start to say things uh, because the coordinator's been undercut a little bit. That sort of stuff will be interesting to watch play out. Well, that's the thing, right? Nobody's been squeezed yet. We haven't lost three or four in a row yet. Trust me, it's coming. Every team faces yeah. adversity, and then we'll really see where the questions and the fingers start to get pointed. Yep. What do you got in the GM notebook this week? Well, a couple things that have been out there that I, I haven't really got answers to, but resolutions have to come at some point, right? What's the deal with Devin, Delvin Cook? Um, and, and what made me think of it is J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore. Is he practicing? Is he not practicing? Is he holding in? Is he holding out? Really, what's going on there? I think one way to fix it would be to try to bring Dalvin Cook in. And I know maybe cap and, and finances hold this back, but you see what happened in New Orleans. They brought in Kareem Hunt. Indianapolis brought in Kareem Hunt. At least they're kicking the tires. At least they're trying to trying to give the public perception that they're looking for options. I just thought Baltimore might want to take a look at Dalvin Cook and and send the message that, hey, Dobbins isn't going to get a new deal. If they acquiesce to him and, and give him a new deal, that would set precedent down the road that they don't want to deal with. So that's not going to happen. But I think they could use a top-tier running back, and we think we're all in agreement that Dalvin Cook's probably the best on the street right now. You can always find ways to create money. You really can. This might be one of those times that's worth it, and then we don't have to listen to the Dobbins story you know. of, of you know, am I going to practice? Am I going to play? I mean, I'll be honest with you. These hold-ins really taint me wrong. I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't like the the message it sends. I don't like the the um, the way it is viewed in the locker room. And I think as a front office guy, you totally lose respect for these guys that are there but not there, you know? Well, as an executive, too, do you feel sort of like, I mean, what would be your remedy for it, right? Because uh, I think teams are used to kind of being in control of these things and there's mechanisms in there. And so this is kind of a way to skirt that, right? This is kind of a way to to do it. So what would you do, you know, if you had a hold-in type situation at your facility and you're the GM, if it got to that, what do you do? Like you should, I guess you bring someone in, you sign somebody. Yeah. I, I would yeah. think that's part of it. I think you do have to send that message. My reaction to it all is probably not even legal. You probably can't do this, but I would send the guy home because if the guy's there and he is holding in and he's with his teammates every day, he gains a ton of confidence from everything that's going on around him. He's not missing anything. He's not getting fined. When he's isolated, when he's holding out, the dynamics of that holdout are totally different. And that's what I've thought all along, that once they start yeah. to allow these hold-ins, it's almost like you've empowered them. It's okay to come hang around here. We'll work out a new deal. I just I just think it sent the wrong message. But I don't yeah. even know if that's within the CBA rules where you can say, hey, you have our permission. You can go home. That's fine. You don't even have to be here. I don't want it around if you're not going to practice. Maybe yeah. that's too old school. I don't know. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about it the, the thing that came to my mind when you said hey sign dalvin cook and it's, it'd be a little bit of a symbolic signing is we've kind of liked them for symbolic signings so the obj signing was kind of a symbolic message to the locker room message to lamar uh that we kind of liked right i mean that was a good a good move for them even if obj is not great at this stage or and we'll see how good he plays but that seemed to be that type of move and the, the cook one would be too right it would be a message a message yep. sending move I think yeah. you've got to do well, something yeah. to tr yeah, try to do something to, to change the narrative. That's for sure. Try to move the process forward. Which I think the OBJ thing did on the quarterback signing and all of that. I yes. think that was a good one for that. All right. What's your next note in there? Well, the other one, and it's again, it's a holdout. It's the Zach Martin, the guard from Dallas that's holding out. And, and Jerry yeah. Jones's stance on that, I think is, has been clear. Um, I hear people on the worldwide leader every day trying to get this guy paid until the, he gets paid. They don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to line up. And my response is stop, <laughs> just stop. I know Zach Martin is a really good player, but he's also a guard. And I think we'll be able to get by at some point. Again, I know he's really good. I get it. We want him on our team. But if Jerry caves in here, he's sending the wrong message to future holdouts. I don't think he can do that. It's not like he's this guy has been underpaid the whole time. He just signed a new deal three years ago, I think it was, that paid him top dollar. When you put pen to pencil, you are on the hook for the length of the deal that you 
sign. And like I said, Zach Martin wasn't underpaid three years ago when he signed this deal. The fact that it's changed, sign a shorter term deal. Only sign two or three years if that's what you're worried about, if you're worried about outperforming your contract. So I think that Jerry is is handled this correctly. I hope I hope he doesn't cave in to the fact that, hey, everybody thinks Zach's a great player. We all want him, but Zach brought this on himself. I don't know what you can do about it. He's going to get fined. The, the, the fines can't be rescinded. It's different than the yeah, Bosa one in San Francisco. Yeah, it's it, he's going to have to pay these fines. I think Jerry has no choice but to send the message and write it out. Eventually, if Martin wants to play, he's going to come the week before the regular season he starts. Will. Jerry has a history of taking care of his guys and you know, almost oh, validating the decisions on some of these, you know, and, and paying them. And maybe that's why it's gotten this far is because, because he's has set precedent yeah. doing some of that. Absolutely. If you're the player, you think, Hey, I'm one of those guys. He's going to take care of me at a certain point. And in the meantime, you miss some camp, although I think it's $600,000 in non-rescindable fines. So that, if that number gets too high. It's hard to make up for that in a new deal. Isn't it, Randy? Well, it's going to be up over a million dollars if he stays out the rest of the time. I think it's like a million yeah. three five or a million four, something like that. So, I guess you could always give him a raise on top of what you agree upon. But again, you're talking yeah. about the message has to be clear to the other fifty two guys in that locker room, so as to try to nip this in the bud in future years. And really, that was yeah. what my third item was. It's really about these fines, and, and I think most people know by now that if you have a contract like Zach Martin or or uh, Chris Jones in Kansas City, the fines cannot be rescinded. But Nick Bosa in San Francisco, because he's on a rookie deal, he can be fined as well, but it could be that the 49ers choose to rescind those fines because he's on a rookie deal, and that's entirely legal. So everybody's on a little different playing playing field when they tackle these holdouts. Yeah, a couple other newsy notes here. I'm just... I think last week we, when we were recording, Randy, like during or right when we were finishing, there was something happened with somebody. And I thought, oh, it would have been nice to maybe Rogers did his new contract or something like that. So I'm just checking here. Uh, Adam Schefter's got K- Kareem Hunt leaves Indy without a deal. Colts mm-hmm. made an offer, but the two sides were unable to reach an agreement. I thought there was a report by somebody else that he was going to the Saints. Um well, he so did go there to visit, contract. right? Yeah. No, I know, but he's going to sign there was, was oh, the story, I, I thought. Uh, somebody on that one. So this running back situation is interesting, isn't it? Are they, these guys waiting to see who who's going to get what or what? Well, and it, it takes me back to the Jets and Dalvin Cook, that whole dog and pony show for two days last weekend. What was that all about? Because he hasn't signed there yet. There's no way that you would want that type of attention on either side unless you were going to make a deal, right? Were they yeah. just just kicking the tires? Why would it have to be so public like that? It's almost like that that should be part of the hard knock show too. You know, this we're making stuff yeah. up to talk about. If we're not going to sign him, let's move on. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You well, can't say it's about next- money because you'd never set up a trip like that if he didn't have parameters already as to what kind of a money this was going to take. Are you can tell me the Jets didn't know he was asking for ten million and they went ahead and brought him in anyway and took everybody's time and, and effort. And, and then he said, Oh yeah, that we can't match that. That's too much money. Are we back to the old days where the, these guys are trying to use visits as a way uh-huh. to get people to panic. Remember that? Oh, yeah, so-and-so's yeah. visiting. Oh my gosh, we better pay him. He's, they're not going to let him out of their building. Right. Well, teams are waiting. Hey, do you remember to that? And do you remember the neutral verifier that we had in place for many years in the NFL where this this kind of things this would this if if you went somewhere and you got an offer and, and another team said wait a second that's not true you would go through a neutral verifier at the league office George Young used to laugh at it George Young the old Giants GM say it's the neutral yeah. vilifier he called it the neutral vilifier <laughs> because everybody just made up offers and but anyway that's how you would get to the bottom of when an agent said, I've got this offered, you know, the saints are offering this for Kareem hunt. Well, I can go to the league and check it out and make sure they did that whole process. Oh, so that was, it, that was laughable. It became a binding thing though. If I went to the league office, that offer was on the table and the, t- and the player could accept it. Yes. Yes. And that's why it was the neutral verifier. You could verify if a team had an offer, but teams got to where it was very vague um, in other words, I remember, I shouldn't tell this, but maybe I will. No, One you time, tell it now, you know. <laughs> there was a, there was a defense back from Canada that was coming down to, to he was going to sign in 
this was when I was in Seattle. And I remember he said, or his agent said, I've got this offered by the Giants. So I put it into the league to the, vil the vilifier, the neutral verifier. I said, what does he have an offer from the Giants? And that the offer came back that, yes, here's what's been offered, but the player hasn't signed or agreed to it yet. That just tells me if I offer five dollars more, I'm going to get him, which we did, and the player signed with us. So that's how crazy that whole process was. But I don't think we've gone back to those times. But that's how far we've come. In that, you just, I guess, everybody's shopping offers all the time. That's all part of it. So it sounds crazy, but that's that's the NFL. So that I think that must. So I first started. I first started coming in NFL in 1998, and so I think uh, I'd covered was covering colleges before that. But I think. I think this went out like shortly before that. Um, I Cause I just, I just Googled neutral verifier. There's a great thing in March, 1995, after the dolphins had topped all bids for Pittsburgh free agent, tight end, Eric green, remember Eric green. He oh was yeah. A, he Liberty. Was yep. First round pick yeah, yeah. with an offer of 1.9 million a year. Drew Rosenhaus. God, that's shocking. He'd be in the middle of this thing. <laughs> wink, wink. Led Miami to believe that another club had upped the ante at the last minute. Without bothering to confirm the agent's claim with the NFL's neutral verifier, the <laughs> yeah. Dolphins raised their offer to two million a year. The following day, Green signed with Miami for twelve million over six years, which made him the highest-paid tight end in the NFL. <laughs> Love it! Love it! Neutral verifier. Yeah. That is great. Like yeah. George Young called it, the neutral vilifier. <laughs> Love it. Ah, I think yeah. our listeners learned something there because that predated me covering the nfl and that's been a while so all right everybody you got anything else randy no i'm good to go i appreciate you taking time of your training camp tour to, to get, let us shoot the breeze here a little bit no it's always fun we need a neutral verifier to make sure we're doing a good job here um you everybody you can find randy on twitter at randy miller underscore i'm there at sando nfl we're both on the athletic we'll talk to you guys next week this was the Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast.